Dr. Art Malloy is a poet, artist, servant leader, and the Associate Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. Dr. Malloy has such a creative and intentional spirit. He states that you can view barriers in one of two ways, either as an impediment or as something you can climb up on to take you higher. During our conversation, he shares life experiences that he used as opportunities to go higher and how he responded to race-based discrimination. Tune in to learn about the power of remaining focused, staying in alignment with your intentions, and the effects of racism. Dr. Malloy, I appreciate this opportunity to talk to you today. Thank you for taking this time to be on There's Power in Your Story podcast. Could you just open with telling our listeners about who you are, both personally and professionally? Yes, I'll start uh, with the personal part. I am from North Carolina, um, born and raised here in a small city called Dunn. Mm-hmm. Um, went to college at Shaw University for my undergrad degree and left there and went to Ohio State University for my master's degree and actually uh, went back to Ohio State some years later to begin work on my PhD and I and I was uh, I left there ABD then I eventually gave up on the PhD and finished uh, my EDD at the University of Georgia I am a son I'm a father I'm a I'm a husband I'm an artist, I'm a, I'm a poet, I'm a student of history. I guess I'm one of those uh, all-around guys that just uh, likes to do things, like to stay busy. I've been in higher education for 30 years, and uh, I've worked at some mid-range uh, institutions like Winston-Salem State and mm-hmm. where I am now, University of North Carolina at Pembroke. And then I've worked at some larger institutions like uh, North Carolina State, Ohio State, and in Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm currently the Associate Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs at mm-hmm. at uh, University of North Carolina at Pembroke. Could you just share with our listeners more about what that role entails and even what you might do on a daily basis? I had the opportunity to, um, it's something that I call making the world a better place one student at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to UNCP because it was an affordable institution. I left um, Savannah College of Art and Design, which was uh, a very expensive institution. It was private and UNCP is is public. And I just felt like I wanted to take some of the things that I learned at SCAD and bring them to UNCP. And specifically, I consider it to be my role to help students uh, be successful. And for me, successful Mm -hmm. means that the student's gonna graduate the student's going to graduate uh, with a, a decent GPA and one that's decent enough so that they can either go to to graduate or professional school. Mm-hmm. And if they choose not to do that, then my expectation is that because of the things that I am doing, that the student, and of course, along with everyone that's in the Division of Student Affairs, that that student's going to have a job six to 10 months after, after graduation and that they're going to have the job that they wanted because from day one, we want to begin the process of helping them understand in order to be successful, it is something that has to be planned and it's a, and it's a step-by-step process. So that's what I do in, in student affairs. 
Um, and we have 13 departments within the division of student affairs. I won't, I won't name them all. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll just say for me, um, it's important that a student be, that they understand how important it is to focus. And it's also important for me to make sure that they, that they understand that they control their own destiny, mm -hmm. that nothing will ever be done to them. Um, they actually have the opportunity to chart that path. So there are no excuses if, you, if you're not successful just probably some regrets, but that simply means get back on the horse and, and, and keep on riding because it's it's not over until it's over. And I, I had an opportunity to speak with you previously and there was a quote that you shared that I thought was very insightful. And the quote was that you can see a barrier in two ways, as either an impediment or something you can climb up on to take you even higher. In regards to this quote, in your own life and reaching the point to where you are now. Could you share with our listeners about how you reached this point or any types of barriers that you actually climbed up on to be able to lift yourself higher? Yes, I, I, I certainly can. I think probably at, at every level for me, there were some barriers. Um, some barriers were self-made, others were, were there. Um, they were societal. Um, I, I can say when I was a student at, uh, at, at Shaw University, um, I was a, a very good student, um, but I spent a lot of time uh, in the radio station and, and in the TV station uh, trying to make sure that, uh, that I had a, a, an edge on those students from other universities that I knew I would be up against when it was time for me to, to graduate. And... So I, I wanted to graduate with a 3.5 uh, grade point average and, and was on track to do that, um, but ended up uh, still graduating with honors, but I didn't graduate with a 3.5. And, and, and the major barrier was, was one that I had, one that I pretty much am responsible for myself. And that is, I simply spent too much time uh, working in the studio. I, I sort of felt like, because I knew how to do what I, what I went to school to learn how to do, that I didn't actually have to, to get that piece of paper that verified that I could do those mm -hmm. things. Um, so so that, that was probably, I would say, my, my first, um, the first hurdle for me. But I, again, um, I could either see it as, as something that, uh, that, um, was going to stop me or I could, I could use it as a stepping stone. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I ended up getting a job right out of, right out of college on, on the day I graduated, I already mm -hmm. had a job and, and I started working uh, at, at a television station uh, in, in Raleigh. And, um, and I didn't like it uh, for, for whatever reason, I, I did not like it. And, and instead of staying there for a long time, I, I simply decided that I was going to, um, I was going to go back to school and, and, and I, that led me to, to Ohio state, mm -hmm. um, which pretty much changed my life forever. Um, because I went there and, uh, enrolled in the African-American studies program. It was called black mm -hmm. studies at the time. And, uh, and I met my mentor, uh, Dr. Manning Marable and, and, um, gosh, Marable won a Pulitzer prize 
Um, and I got a chance mm. to be his TA. And so, and, and I was the only person oh, in my cohort funny. that was chosen as his TA. Um, so, so, so that, that sort of, um, that sort of propelled me, um, into higher education because think about this. I didn't, I didn't go to, to Shaw university or to Ohio state to end up in higher education. Um, but everything I learned at Shaw and everything I learned at Ohio State prepared me to be an effective administrator. Um, so, so you know, I sort of went uh, around around the way to get to where I am now. Uh, but I but I've been doing it for a long time, and and thank God I didn't. I never spent too much time okay. doing anything that didn't feel right to me. So I, I didn't spend too much time um, mm-hmm. doing, doing television because it, it didn't feel right to me. I mean, I, there, there was one situation where, uh, where the, the mm-hmm. director was cursing everyone and, 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 I, and I was the floor director that he was cursing everyone and cursed me. And I just simply said, you know, I don't, this isn't something that I think I want to put up with every day. So, so I left, I went to Ohio State and got my degree in African-American politics and economics. Mm-hmm. You know, I could actually design my own degree. And, and I, thought, I thought at the time that I was going to be an ambassador mm-hmm. to a French-speaking African country because I, 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 okay. I didn't say that I, I, I minored in French. Um, so, so that's what I thought I would do. And, and immediately upon graduation from Ohio State, my former dean called me and said, I heard you graduated and we might need you to teach mm-hmm. some, some courses in African-American history here. And that's exactly what I did. And I have never left higher ed since. You were able to stay in tune with yourself and make decisions around that and create movements in your own life when something didn't feel right to you. That, that's, that's for sure. I, I certainly did not want to sabotage my dreams. What what I knew I always wanted to do, I wanted to be in a position where I could help people. I've always wanted to make a difference. I'm the son of I'm the son of a, a pastor. As my, my my mother was a minister, my father's uh pastor, and and I, I saw them uh be servants to to others for their entire lives. And and I've always felt like servant leadership uh is is a worthy endeavor. I can definitely hear that identity of servant leadership in so much of what you're saying. Are there any other ways you believe your parents may have either inspired or influenced you to basically make it to the place where you are now? Uh, absolutely. Um, I sometimes, because uh, my, my, my mother is, is no longer uh, with us and, and, um, and I sometimes hear her words and quite often when I talk, I start smiling mm-hmm. because I'm thinking that I sound like my mother. Um, my my mother was mm-hmm. a she was a strict disciplinarian. Uh, didn't play games, and uh, mm-hmm. did not allow us to tell lies. So um, so that helped me to to form uh, the person that I am morally. And and it, it's also helped me to 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 see that um, 
that even though things happen um, around you, that those things don't necessarily have to affect you. Um, because what, what, what I believe, it's, it's sort of like, it's almost like with this coronavirus. The coronavirus is in, it's certainly in the atmosphere and, and, and it, is, it is in the air, but the coronavirus is around you it's not going to affect you until it gets in you. So the question is, will you allow those things that are around you to get in you? Because if they can get in you, then they can affect you. But, but there, there's always going to be something around you. So the question is whether or not you're going to, to take the steps that you need to do to protect yourself so that those things that are in the environment don't actually get in you. Because there's some very negative things outside of the coronavirus that are in that are in the atmosphere. There is there is racism. There is sexism. There mm-hmm. is there is homophobia. These things are in the atmosphere. But when you allow them to get in you, then it then it turns you into into something that you probably uh, ought not want to be. If you are a person that wants to help advanced society where you know and those are those are my my mother's words um you know just just because Mm -hmm. you're around it doesn't mean that it has to be in you um and and she always said something that i that i say to my son i say it on a daily basis you were born to lead not to follow but all good leaders know that there is a time Mm -hmm. when they should be followed um, so, so as long as, as long as you, uh, as long as you know that, I mean, and I don't think I was born to lead. I think that was just her trying to motivate me to always want to, to be better, always want to challenge, um, the things that I hear and, and to challenge the things that I see other people do. So to, to find out whether or not they have a rational reason, a rational reason for, for doing that, um, there, there, there are just so many things that, that I believe um, are in society now mm-hmm. that I think people should ask questions about um, as opposed to just letting them go. I mean, I think the whole Black Lives Matter movement right mm-hmm. now is because we're asking questions. We're right. asking questions. Why is this allowed to happen? And why, mm-hmm. and why have people been silent for so long? And, 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 and why haven't we looked into, in, in, into the way uh, black, black men and black women are, are dying disproportionately at the hands of, of some corrupt um, uh, police officers? And not just, not just what's going on at the hands of police officers, but mm-hmm. the entire criminal justice system. Uh, why does it not work for us? Mm-hmm. Why, why does it only seem to be broken for us? I think we have to constantly ask questions. Sometimes when you ask a person a question mm-hmm. about why they do a thing, and it mm-hmm. sounds so strange to you, um, y- y- you, you have to know that it probably sounds just as strange to them. And sometimes just getting them to articulate it um, might be helpful for them. Because I don't have to tell you that something sounds amiss or mm-hmm. something sounds like it's gone awry. Um, if I didn't say it, if you said it, I'm probably just mm-hmm. going to respond and say, well, that's interesting. Um, because, I, because I'm not going to try to tell them how to think. 
but but I certainly want to hear them articulate. And sometimes when they tell me things, it sounds strange. And sometimes just just getting it out there so that they can hear it themselves and 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 hear just to hear their own voice. And and there seems to be no rhyme or reason behind a position that they've taken. How have you made mm-hmm. yourself aware to not let certain things that may be harmful to change you in negative ways? Well, you, you know, so so you asked you asked a great question. There have been some things, I believe, mm-hmm. in my life that have been defining moments for me. One incident was with mm-hmm. um, was with the Ku Klux Klan in okay. in Johnston County, North Carolina. Um, I was going to visit my girlfriend mm-hmm. at the time. I, I think I was 16 years old. I was going to visit my, my girlfriend, and um, she she was black, but she lived beside a, a white. Uh, her, her best friend was white, and, and they lived beside each other. I got out of the car, and I was waiting by the mailbox, and, and these guys rode by. They put a double-barrel shotgun uh, in my in my face. And, and of course... Being from Dunn, we knew that the Grand Wizard okay. of the Ku Klux Klan actually lived in Benson. Uh, so we knew that back off of 95, mm-hmm. there was always there was lots of Klan activity. So they put the gun in, in my face and they and they told they called me the N word and then they told me to run. And I did exactly what they <laughs> I did exactly what they said because my uh, self preservation mode kicked in. So I ran. And and mm-hmm. I expected them to shoot me in the back. Nobody shot me, and 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 these guys they rode by me. They rode by me while I was running, and they laughed. And eventually, I stopped running, uh, found some help, and and came back the next mm-hmm. day and, and 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 got my and got my car. Um, I did I did let that young lady know right. that um, that I wasn't coming back there again. Um, but I, so I could have looked at that. I could have looked at that and I could have been a person who hates all white people because these two white men terrorized. Right. And I, I mean, terrorized me because I thought I was going to die that day. Um, so I, I could have looked at it as a defining moment where I became a person filled with hate. And, and I thought about it and I said, these guys could have killed me. They had a shotgun in my face that could have pulled the trigger. I was on a dirt road on off of I-95, nobody around because, mm-hmm. I mean, my girlfriend hadn't even come outside. I, did, I saw no one else around. So they didn't kill me. Right. So I, I lived to talk about it. So I could have, I could, I could have simply uh, been bitter and been hatred-filled. But I, you know, I said, well, clearly there must be something good about these guys if they didn't kill me because they could have killed me. So even though they did something that I think was reprehensible, um, that they did something that I thought was cowardly, um, I also mm-hmm. saw their humanity because because they didn't they didn't kill me. And then there was another situation where the mm-hmm. police, the police in Columbus, Ohio, um, they pulled me over, and and I was wearing a I was wearing a suit, and carrying a briefcase. Yeah. So that tells you how long ago that was. I was carrying a briefcase, but so they they pulled up, and I wasn't even paying them much attention. And one of the officers said, the officer said, uh, "Hey, you stop," and and I didn't stop mm-hmm. because I didn't think they were talking to me. 
and and then the officer jumped out of his car and pointed a gun at me. Second mm-hmm. second time I had a gun pointed at me by a white man. Uh, the officer pulled pulled he pulled the gun out and he said he said put your hands up now. And I had the briefcase in my hand. The briefcase was heavy. I still had my hands up with books in the briefcase. And, and I asked him if I could if I could put the briefcase down. And he told me to do it slowly, and I did. Uh, and and to make a long story short, he stopped me because someone called and said that there was a suspicious yeah. character trying to steal a car. So when he told me when he told me about the car, he said I asked him what kind of car it was. He said it was a BMW. Um, and I and I said, is it a, is it a blue BMW? And he said, yes. I said, YKY two two six. I said that that is my car. When it was all over, he said, you can go now. He he didn't say I'm sorry. He he didn't say um, I made a mistake. You know, he he just simply said you can go now. And when I asked him, I said, officer, can I have your badge number? And he said, he said, yeah, come come over here and get it. And I just decided that probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have been a wise decision. So I didn't do it. And I walked mm-hmm. away. I was angry, very angry. But again, I didn't let that make me bitter, you know, because I, I, I rationalized it. I said, the guy's just doing mm-hmm. his job, but he's not doing it well. You know, and I, I just said, I live I lived to talk about it. Um, so if there's situations where I can walk away, if there's situations where I didn't get hurt, I don't blame I don't. I simply won't put the blame on on the other person, uh, and I'm not going to let it affect me in a negative way, because there are so many positive things about my life. There's so many positive things that I believe I still have to do, that I cannot let myself get filled with hatred. Can't let myself get filled with bitterness, because in what I do and what I've been doing for so long. I work with people from all races, all backgrounds, all genders. So for for me, I don't have time to focus on on the negative because I like to feel like if a person doesn't smile as a result of talking to anyone else within the course of their day, that if they encounter me or if I encounter them, Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to have a smile. It's beautiful how you use your life to basically contribute to the lives of others. Like you said, if someone were to come in contact with you, your hope is that a smile will be on their face by whatever words or or actions you offer to that person. So as we come to our close, are there any final thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Well, you know, I'll, I'll just say I am a believer that everyone uh, was born with a purpose and and it's incumbent upon each person to figure out what that purpose is. I, I, I actually believe that that your purpose can be found not by not by what you do on a daily basis, but uh, but in those things uh, for which you hold a great deal of passion. Um, and and so for me, uh, I have always been very, very passionate about helping others. And, and, I, and I, I really believe that there's so many people that are in the world that, that want to make a difference. And sometimes the best way to make a difference is by looking at the person beside you, looking at the person behind you, looking at the person that, that's in front of you and figuring out 
what can you do to to bring a smile to that person's face? Uh, what can you do to be of assistance to that person? Um, you know, ask them. Ask them. Um, you know, are they? I, I like to ask every student, why mm -hmm. why are you here? What are you studying? What are you planning to do with it? Because that helps me figure out how I need to help that student. Sometimes it's it's connecting them with people that do what they want to do. Sometimes it is actually responding to something that I hear and something that they have said that 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 triggers a red flag for me, that this person is a person who who needs someone to care about them. And and then there there are other times uh, when, you know, I, I, I just believe that um, that you you need to focus on uh, just being a good friend, um, just being a good person. I, I think and, and it, that takes some effort. It, it does take some effort mm -hmm. to to want to be a good person because, you know, we often get involved in things like talking about another person and, you know, right. saying things that, that we ought not say and judging people. Um, I, I, I simply believe that that you that you respect another human being simply for their humanity. That, and and so I don't care. You you can't you cannot hate me and be around me. I, I honestly believe that you can't hate me and be around me because the longer you're around me, the longer you're going to learn that there's something that there's something about me to like. And, and that's what I believe about every person. That's why you could be a member of the Klan. You could be a, 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 you could be a white supremacist. You could be a person who 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 hates people for whatever reason. But I, but I simply believe that if, if you spend enough time around me, um, that you, you may have a different perspective. And, and, and my hope is that others feel the same way, that there's something, there's something that's unique to them. There's something that they have to give to someone else that, that can help, them make, that ha help to make the world a better place. I'm so glad we had this opportunity to hear Dr. Malloy's story. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with at least two friends and encourage them to tune in. Thank you so much for joining me this week on There is Power in Your Story. I look forward to sharing more conversations with you soon. Take care.